Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. All right, everybody, this is John Helmkamp with the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. I am joined today by uh, Sam Ehrman with the Washington Redskins organization. Uh, Sam, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Just uh, glad to be doing something a little bit different today for a couple hours. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all suffering from the, the lockdown and just the monotony of it all. So cool. Why don't you give a little bit of background and just kind of, uh, you know, fill me in on kind of your your background, your history, stuff like that. Yeah, I'll just start with like my coaching background. Um, I started coaching uh, at my university where I went to school. Um, just started like volunteering after I was done uh, with school and everything. Did all the dirty work. I was the coffee go getter. I was the, you know, the uh, I, I did everything. Um, and then I finally worked my way up. I worked my way up the ladder. I started coaching running backs. My first two years coaching running backs, uh, I coached our first two ever All-Americans for the position back-to-back years. Um, and then after that, I had joined the Cleveland Browns as like a super-duper entry-level, like basically coffee go-getter, but I was allowed to be around practice and sort of things, um, around games, um, worked my way up there. Then... Um, started working with tight ends and then we went 0 and 16. <laughs> Had to not your uh, fault, not your fault. Yeah, I like to think so, but you know, um, just just a lot of things went wrong that year, you know. Uh, just not a lot of not a lot of good things happened that year, but it was a good learning experience. It's very humbling because it like, makes you realize like how hard it is to win a football game, let alone in the NFL. Um, after that season, I went back to the University of Findlay. Um, coach running backs again did the same thing um and then as of january early january i had gotten a call because i put applications in all over got a call that i got an offer out in the dmv area um with the skins and i just start local recruiting um and then i just i moved out there kind of on a fly by myself in the middle of nowhere didn't know a single person Started scouting, started scouting in Baltimore um, and Maryland and Virginia. And I'm basically like the entire East Coast of it now. So that's awesome. And is there any positions in particular that you that you do the scouting for? <clears throat> Typically just offense, anything that's needed. Um, there's certain positions I don't touch, obviously, like offensive line. Quarterbacks are very, very tricky. Um, mm-hmm. Those are kind of guys where you need many 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 years of experience as somebody who's just you know the bottom tier starting out uh the skilled positions and that's where i have my experience those are the guys i've worked with so those, that's where i understand the most so that is what i do now great that's awesome um yeah it's been a big off season for well everybody with everything going on and coronavirus and how that's impacting everything but a uh, big offseason for the Redskins, uh, bringing in new head coach, Ron Rivera, uh, coming over. Um, you know, he's kind of gone out and got a few of his guys, Thomas Davis, coming over to join him and, and kind of give that leadership on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so, yeah, big offseason with with that. Have you had the opportunity to, uh, to you know, how, how frequently do you speak with, with Ron Rivera? 
It's very, 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 very rare. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, before everything had got shut down, I think I was in my apartment four nights, which means I'm never home, which is, you know, is what I expected. I was never home, um, never at the apartment. And he's such a busy guy. He's such an important person. The only time you were to talk to a head coach and even the same thing in Cleveland is if it was like dire, if there's something necessary, because there's like a hierarchy and, yeah. you know, when you're kind of towards the lower end, you know, like you see him, <laughs> you meet him, um, he brings you in, like you, you meet him, like a good guy, like he's a, he's a good leader, somebody that is not going to let any stuff go down that doesn't need to happen. But it, it's not like I'm hanging out with him all the time or anything yeah. like that. <laughs> but, not, not grabbing beers after work. No, but, you know, from the times that I've been around, just a strong, stern leader, somebody that you want to run through walls with. And I think yep. that that's what's very exciting about what we've got going in 2020. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I mean, I was a huge fan of his just from an outsider perspective uh, when he was down there in Carolina and kind of the tone that he sets uh, inside that organization and, and with his players. Um, I don't know, from an outsider's perspective, it seems like a great hire for the Redskins in terms of someone that's going to come in and, and really set some culture and some kind of boundaries in place on like, this is the way that we're going to go about doing things. Is that something that you've kind of seen with him since coming in? Yeah. Yeah. Like starting a culture from scratch compared to from what it was like, I was not around, so I don't know what it was, but you, you can get a pretty good gist once you start talking to some guys who were in the building, like how bad the culture had gotten. It's mm-hmm. going to, it takes time to write in a, a wrecked ship. Um, but I think he, we're on the right path with that. I think that it's very exciting to look forward to see what's going to happen. You know, a very good young core group of players, a coach that people can believe in and somebody who's going to like, do what's best for the team and not just a certain player. Like it doesn't matter if you draft it first overall or either the last pick or you're a walk on free agent. Um, yep. If you can play, you're going to play. And that's what's exciting because nobody's safe. Um, just because you've been there a long time doesn't mean that your job is not risk because you got to earn it. And that's, what's exciting is because, you know, when you have somebody new come in, you never know who's going to shine, who's going to fade away. Who's going to be like, Oh, we were not expecting this or, like, oh, like, this is a shocker. You know, it always happens because if you give everybody the opportunity to play and you give everybody the same opportunity to grind it out and get get to where they need to go, you can shock a lot of people. And I think that it's going to be very exciting in this upcoming season to watch. That's great. Yeah. Um, uh, personal, my, my personal bias, um, I'm a Seattle Seahawks fan, and that's something that I've, I've seen in that organization is they don't care if you're a first-round pick, undrafted free agent, late round draft pick it's a competition you come in and compete for your job i mean we've seen what uh chris carson did up there seventh round pick taking over the lead running back uh duties while first round draft pick um rashad penny's kind of been on the outside looking in a little bit so i i like that um approach and i think it's got to be exciting for for a talent evaluator knowing like hey these like everyone's got a shot to to come in and earn a role and, and compete to, to play and, and help the team and, and make the team better. Um, when you're doing your, your talent evaluations, I'd love to kind of get your, your insight on some things that you tend to look for. Maybe we go through like a couple different positions, um, like the running back position, um, start there. What are some things that you're really looking for when you're evaluating running backs? Um, I think it, I can safe to say with all skill positions, the greatest defensive mind I've, I've ever been around is now the defensive coordinator at Fairmont State University. Um, 
And he looked me dead in the eyes one time, and I asked him a very similar question. And this was when I was just getting started, and he looked at me and said, you know what I want out of a player? I was like, what's that code for Ab? And he goes, get me the most physically gifted player because it's my job to teach them football. If you give me the perfect athlete, somebody who can just grind it out, somebody who's just got all this natural ability, it's my job to teach them football. And if I'm not teaching them football, then I'm not doing my job. And that stuck with me ever since he said that to me, that has stuck with me. So when I'm looking for a talent, I'm just looking for just the most naturally gifted people because it's the coach's job. And they all agreed this. And this is, this is why I like coaching more than scouting, but I, I love the game of football. And I'm just glad to be around it. Um, get them the athletes. They'll turn them into players. And it goes the same thing with running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, anybody I look at, does this kid have his head on straight? Does he know some football? But more importantly, is he athletically gifted? Because you're going to learn football as you go in the NFL or college or high school. So if you're just athletically gifted, you can begin to develop that IQ. And if you develop the IQ with the athletic ability, the sky's the limit. You got to think of guys like an Antonio Brown. Somebody who coming out of college had the athletic ability, but he kind of lacked the football knowledge. And you put him with one of the greatest wide receiver coaches in our league and teach him the football and the athletic ability. And that's why you got that all pro ability. Or you can think mm-hmm. of somebody like a Julio Jones, somebody who's just spark is off the charts. Somebody who's just so athletically gifted that you get him to assist and teach him football. He's going to be unstoppable. And that's what, that's what I look for. That's what I've always looked for since, Coach Rebbe told me that probably back in 2015, 2016. And since then, that's what we look for is, you know, the guys who can make a play because then you can teach them how to make the play properly. And if you have somebody who can make the play and you can teach them how to make the play properly, the sky's the limit. That's great. Um, How do you go about kind of assessing athletic ability like that? Is it, is it, Numbers, spark score 40 times. Is it, is it watching them in person? What, what kind of goes into getting a feel for the athletic ability of somebody? I think it's kind of a combination of everything. And you never understand how athletic somebody is until you can see them in person. Like, and this is going to sound crazy, but there's a, there's a couple different viewpoints on 40s. Like, there's a totally different 4.4 40 and then a 4.4. 40 again like mm-hmm. how quickly are you getting to your top speed or is your top speed later or earlier like how fast do you accelerate i mean like not all 4.440s are the exact same right i know that kind of sounds like crazy but it's like stride length acceleration top speed do you top out are you still accelerating as you go through like there's all these questions and you know it's it, they all vary like and it's that's why it's so important to see players practice drills in person because you can watch it on TV you can watch the combine on TV you can you know you can be 50 rows out in the stadium taking notes but until you're five feet away from them in a drill it's hard to just grasp how athletic they are or they aren't um you know you look at the sports scores you look at the athletic abilities and then you watch them on tape you watch like the effort you watch all these things because if they're getting effort, they're athletic, they're making attempts. Those are the kind of players that you want. Yeah, I totally get that. So um, kind of pivoting and taking that information into this 2020 draft class. Um, I'd love to get your 
your take on on a running back in this draft class if you can. Um, Ohio State University, J.K. Dobbins. He's someone that, for me, he's very, very physically gifted. Um, if you look at all of his measurables, his spark score, I mean, all that stuff, the dude is athletic as as it gets, but there's things about his game that I tend to to shy away from a little bit. Is that the kind of prospect that you would look at and say, all the raw talent might be there, and with a good running back coach, uh, that could be someone that that can can really flourish and, and grow into a top tier talent. Yeah, I think so, and I think the reason for that is because it almost seems with every player, the landing spot is more important than where they get drafted. They could be drafted in the seventh round, but if they get the best landing spot possible, then they're going to develop more so than if they were a first rounder with Team X. Um, with Dobbins, like. I don't disagree with anything you said. I just, there's something his, I understand his 40 speed, but he tops out in his 40 and he's somebody that his four point, his 40 time is different from somebody else's 40 time, that same speed because he gets run down a lot in the open field, but he's got a blazing fast 40. And the reason for that is his top speed is not elite, but his acceleration is insane. That's why he's going to be somebody you could be very heavily used in the passing game. Um, whether or not he will be used as a bell car running back, I don't know. And that's because it depends on where he goes. It depends on what those coaches believe. Like, I think he's got the ability. I think there's a lot of guys in this draft who have that ability. Um, but it depends on where they go. It depends on what the coach wants to use them for. And it depends on who's in front of them. Because you got ultimately, at the end of the day, you got to be able to be able to beat the guy out in front of you. Right. You know, it doesn't matter if you go to New England and you can't beat out Sony Michelle. And you are a first round pick. You're gonna, you know, Bill Belichick's gonna play the best player, um, and mm -hmm. that's something that he's known for. It's something he respects. Like same thing with up in Seattle. Like, like as you denoted to earlier, the seventh round pick who constantly beats out a first round pick. You know, so I think he's got the ability. I, there's nothing I don't like about his tape. I like his top end speed. is a little bit worrisome. He's not gonna break an 80 yard touchdown in the NFL. He'll get run down, but there's nothing wrong with the 56 yard run. I mean, like there's nothing wrong with right. That. There's just there's not very many guys who can bust a 90 yard run and not be touched. Like it's you got to think of guys like a like a like a Nick Chubb, somebody who you can give the ball to, and he can like I mean we've seen him do it multiple times. These 80 90 yard runs where he you know, breaks one arm tackle and you're gone. I mean, but I think with Dobbins, like I think he gets a lot of comparisons to Ezekiel Elliott, but I think Ezekiel Elliott is much more physically gifted. He's a lot faster runner. And he's a bigger frame. Um, mm -hmm. So I think that comparison is a little unfair to Zeke, but they're both great players. I think the reason he gets that comparison is because he comes from the same school. Right. Um, and I think that might be a little naive on some people's ends, but I think that he's got the ability, but it ultimately depends on where he goes. Um, and that is anybody's guess. So, yeah, exactly. We'll find out in a couple of weeks, luckily. Um, so, Pivoting to another running back, if you don't mind, uh, what are your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor uh, from Wisconsin? He's fun to watch. He's really, really fun to watch. I mean, the athletic ability is there. I'm blushing, man. I'd love to get my hands on somebody. Oh, like man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the physical thing is there. You're not going to catch him in the open field. He's a, he's a pass-catching running back. He is somebody that if he gets the right landing spot <sighs> – it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be really yeah. fun to watch. I can't wait to see who takes him. I think I think I would be shocked if he's still there within the by the twentieth pick. He's really. I 
He is the closest thing to a Saquon Barkley that we're going to have the next couple of years. And people want their Saquon Barkleys. It's the same reason that Jordan Love is climbing up on draft charts. Athletically raw, gifted talent. He reminds you of Patrick Mahomes. He's going to be reached on because people want that that Mahomes is where you can develop him behind somebody else and see what happens. And Jonathan Taylor is really fun to watch. Um, I'm very excited to see where he goes. Uh, that's somebody where I wish like I could have my hands on and work <laughs> with a little bit. <laughs> oh, me too. Jonathan Taylor is my, my boy. I am widely known as, as driving the Jonathan Taylor train. Uh, it's the worst kept secret in fantasy football that I'm taking him with the first pick in one of my, one of my leagues, like, kind of regardless <laughs> of where he goes. He's so good. But landing spot does matter. Um, I think that's very interesting uh, that you think that you'd be surprised if you last until 20. I think a lot of people think he's going to go later than that, but I think it just speaks to his raw ability. He is a home run threat from anywhere on the field and combined with him being, you know, well, uh, 228 pounds and, and has that kind of athletic ability. That's, that's insane. He's a big boy. He's he's dirty. <laughs> he's dirty. Yeah, I think I think saying he's the closest thing to Saquon, I think makes a lot of sense. He's built very similarly, right? They just got those trunks of legs. You're not gonna arm tackle those guys and then has that ability to just hit it and go and he can outrun a corner. The physical measurements are out there. I mean, like we joke about this and I joke about this all the time, but if he goes to Kansas City. Oh, I know. <sighs> I <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's hard. It's hard not to fanboy because like everybody's like, what's your favorite team? Well, I'm getting paid by one. So um, that's going to be my favorite one. But it, like, it would be re- like if he goes to a place like a Kansas City or a s- system like that, that's got it. That'd be must watch TV with him. Patrick slinging it to Tyreek and Travis and handing it off to you know, Jonathan. I mean, that'd be dirty, but I don't you know, I mean, I'm not in their their buildings. So I don't know what's going on, but right. I think that'd be really fun to watch. It would be crazy. Um, let's pivot over to, to wide receivers a little bit. How do you feel about the wide receiver class this year coming in? It's deep. It is very deep. And I think that's why there are so many veteran players who have proven themselves that struggled to find jobs and they had to, they lost money. Um, because with a coach, your belief is you can teach anybody and everybody. Um, and why would I pay him $10 million a year when I can pay him two and he can get the same mm-hmm. type of production that we can save that $8 million or elsewhere and go roster construct somewhere else. I mean, it's very deep. There is a few guys that, you know, like a CD lamb and a Jerry Judy that are just, yeah, there's so many guys like a Jerry Lynn Rager. There's so many guys. It's hard. Henry Ruggs. You know, I mean like there's, you can't just name one guy that you're excited about. Like just excited to watch. Like, I'm very intrigued to see where they all land. Um, you know, I, I, there's so, you know, Chase Claypool. Like, there's so many different players in this draft that you can be getting a third round talent in a sixth round because there's so many wide receivers. I mean, and that's insane. You know, the 2021 class we think will be pretty good too, but this 2020 class, like, there's probably 10 to 15 wide receivers that can make an impact on day one, which is very rare. Yeah. A lot of people are talking about this being a historically deep wide receiver class. The top there, it seems to be a competition between Jerry Judy and um, CD lamb for kind of that one spot. If you had to pick one of those wide receivers, who would you hang your hat on? 
Well, it would depend on what I needed. I think they're very slightly different players. Um, it's very it's very very close. I think I would go Lamb, but it depends, like I said, on what I need. You know, like there's different kind of players for different kind of slots. I mean, like if you need somebody who can take the top off, like a Deshaun Jackson, you're going to take like a Henry Ruggs or a somebody. It, so it depends on what you need. I wouldn't be shocked to see any of those guys that we just talked about go in the first round. I mean, because there's so many of them, it depends on what you need and who you believe in and who you've had, who you were actually able to meet before everything was shut down. Um, Cause that's something that I don't think is being talked about enough is teams weren't able to meet with nearly as many athletes. So we're like, what kind of person are we getting? We're doing a lot of backtracking and doing a lot of social media tracking because we don't know a lot about these players because they weren't allowed to come in the buildings. So it's, it'll be interesting to see. Um, but I think multiple guys in this class are going to have fantastic careers and I can't wait to watch. Um, but you can't discredit last year's wide receiver class too. I mean, you have a Terry McClure and a Steven Sims, a DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. I mean, there's so many guys in that draft class alone, like, Wide receivers are coming out like factories at this point. Yeah, let's go to the uh, Redskins wide receivers to the to the guys that you got there in the room. I heard you mention Steven Sims. Uh, he's someone that I think a lot of people are kind of asleep on a little bit um, because Terry McLaurin, I think, won the the hearts of many. Um, what do you see in in those two wide receivers? Well, I mean, it's not just those two. I mean, there's a Kelvin Harmon too. Like, there's three guys in that room who are very 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 young with tons of talent tons of upside i wouldn't be surprised if moving forward it's 1a 1b 1c because they're all very very good football players you know and we don't know who's going to fall in the draft either you know we don't know who's going to be sitting there when it's hard trying to pick i mean i think that I think we're very comfortable with where we're at because we've got three young guys and i mean there's also some older guys in that room who can really play the, play the position, play the position very well. Like I think, you know, Steven saw Steven in the slot and then you have Terry and Kelvin on the other side of him. I think that's good. I think that's a very deadly combination. We feel very excited and feel very good about it moving forward. Um, especially with the two quarterbacks we have on our roster. Um, something that we feel very good about, I think moving forward. Yeah. I thought that the uh, Kyle Allen signing being so familiar with, um, uh, my bad. I meant to say three quarterbacks then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but I, I thought that Kyle Allen being so familiar with Ron Rivera and his system and, and just kind of having that level of familiarity and, and comfort provides an, an interesting depth piece there. Uh, I, I don't know how much you can speak to the the Redskins, you know, uh, approach to things and things like that, but uh, is there a lot of excitement in there around uh, Dwayne Haskins? and kind of what he showed, especially in the, the back half of the season and going forward. I think, you know, it's the entire quarterback room, you know, I feel, you know, like Dwayne played very well down the stretch. Then you have the number former one overall pick coming back off of surgery. Who's still under contract. Who wants to play? He looks good. And then you have Kyle on who just played with coach Rivera in um, Carolina last year. I think there's three quarterbacks that are right there that can do the job plentiful. Um, feel very good about it. And then not to mention with the guys he's, they'd be slinging the rock to, I think, I think the sky's the limit. Um, there's obviously room for development for everybody, but I think mm -hmm. right now with what there is on the roster, it's hard not to feel good about that. 
How how is Alex Smith doing with his recovery from everything? It's been a long process, um, yeah. from what he's said. But he feels good. He expects to play, and we there's no reason not to believe that he won't be out there. Um, says he wants to play. The leg is healing. He's working out. He's he looks pretty good. Um, so he'll he'll be out there, and you know, don't be surprised if there's an open competition and. You know, maybe he starts sometime this year. We don't know. I mean, like, it's it's possible, but we're not outweighing anything. I mean, just what we have right now and his development and his progress feels good about everything. That's good. He's just someone that you want to root for as a person. He he's such a nice guy. Been in the league a long time. Um, always been a great teammate. You know, good veteran presence in a locker room. I I just want to see him be healthy and and uh, come back and be able to to contribute a little bit. So yeah, Plus, he's. Plus the whole, it was like the anniversary of the Theisman injury. He was in the building. It was the same like that. There's so many like freaky coincidences about that, like his injury that, that really makes you want to get back on that field because you don't want two quarterbacks for the Washington Redskins and via broken legs on an anniversary and this going the same direction with the other one in the building. That's just that's like, freaky. That's <laughs> no bad omen right there. That's for sure. Yeah, that's that's bad juju. You, you never want to go out like that. Like I remember um Steve Smith, the wide receiver, he got injured pretty bad. A lot of people thought that he would, you know, potentially hang it up, but everyone close to him was like he's not going out like that. Like he's that's not the last impression that he's going to make. So mm-hmm. I think with Alex Smith, it's it's a similar thing. You want to see him come back out there and and leave a good lasting impression before before he decides to retire. Yeah, well, I think he's under contract for I think two more years. So yeah, and he's thirty six. It looks looks like a very good thirty six. So I wouldn't be shocked if he does. I mean, you never know. So how has uh, Dwayne Haskins been kind of treating this off season going into this this next year, second year? Um, very reactant to Coach Rivera. Um, no nonsense, just work. I mean, you can see that he's putting the work in. You can see he's putting the physical work in. He's watching the film. I. He's doing everything you'd expect a franchise quarterback to do. Good. I mean, it's just as simple as that. Like, he's just working. That's what you like to see. Do you think that coming into this next season, he kind of has a a, a leg up on on the lead the lead gig, or is it going to be a little bit more open than that? Uh, that I don't know. Um, we talk. But we don't like I'm not making that decision. Yeah. So I don't know. But I would assume there's a lead up leg up be, just because we don't know if Alex will be ready week one hundred percent. But if he if I mean, but if Alex is ready by a training camp and he's hundred percent, then I think that I think I think that it could be an open competition between all three of them. Um but I that I don't know. Yeah, and I think that that just kind of speaks to Ron Rivera's attitude as well, right? Like he wants to breed competition, wants people to uh, to fight for their jobs, like to to step up, like show up. If you if you're going to win this job, you need to win it. It's not just going to be handed to you. So I, I think that it wouldn't be surprising at all to to see a little bit of competition there. The same with the running back position. Yeah, I want to get there. I, I'm a huge fan of Darius Geis, man. When he was at LSU. He was something else. A couple really bad luck injuries in his young career. Um, but how's how's he doing? How's the how's the organization kind of feeling about Darius? 
you know, very excited. Um, you know, think with the new medical staff that'll help. Um, just doing things differently might help. Um, plus, with like, you know, you gotta feel good about the depth behind him too. You know, you have uh, Peyton Barber, you have a JD McKissick, and Adrian Peterson, and a Bryce Love. I mean, like, there's lots of depth in that room. There's loads of talent. Like, if there was one room, I wish I was in in the 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 league it was that one i mean you have hall of famer you have elite talents and then you have guys with chips on their shoulders who just got cut from tampa bay because you can't keep up with ronald jones i mean there there's so much talent in that room and it's very exciting to watch um i think that you you have to feel good about it but nobody is i don't think i think that's the one room where there's no leg up um mm. i think it's just going to be the last man standing let it I hope not literally, but, <laughs> but like figuratively, and I think I think that one, maybe two of those guys will not be on the roster come week one. And to say who, I don't know, but I I would like to think that Darius is safe. I mean, I think everybody sees the potential. Everybody sees the talent. I don't think he's going anywhere. Um, but you know, you feel good about it. But if, if another injury were to happen, I think that you'd really need to start pondering if it's time to move on, which would suck because there's so much down there. But um, you, there's lots of depth behind it. There's lots of talent. You have, like I said, like a Bryce Love, and then you have a Peyton Barber who was brought in specifically because he plays very similar to a Darius guys. So hard nosed runner who can just pound the rock, which is. We just want to, you know, run the rock and score points. Yeah. Darius, to me, was one of those players in college where you watch him and the athleticism is just there. He He's kind of one of those – he's one of those guys that has the tools that you were talking about earlier in terms of raw athletic ability. Um, I'd love to see him put it together. I'm, I'm hoping for him. Uh, Darius guys. Hi, how you doing? We interacted on Twitter last week. Um, but it's we're, great. we're rooting great. for you. Yeah. Just a nice guy. So athletic, so much talent. We're hoping to, to see the comeback and, and see him out there and, you know, contributing in a big way. So other skill position tight end is an interesting position with the Redskins. It seems like, you know, Jordan Reed is always concussed basically. Um, is there kind of a plan for that position throughout this off season? Um, you know, I think that's something that will be addressed. Like I think there's only, we think I, I, it will be addressed. I just don't know when or how, because you don't know who's going to fall in the draft. You don't know who's going to be available after the draft. I mean, there's so many different things. Like we, we reached out to a Greg Olson, but ultimately just didn't come to a deal. Um, It'll be addressed. It just depends on when and how. I, you know, I think that adding some more depth with what we've got would be ideal. Like, I mean, I think Jeremy's a very good football player. I think he can develop, but I think to have more depth behind him would be very nice um, because you don't want to have a weakness, you know, and I don't think that's necessarily a weakness, but to have more depth, I mean, like we've got five running backs, three quarterbacks. You know, multiple wide receivers we feel good about. So to have a couple tight ends, like I think like it would just bring the optimism up to a whole new level. I think like feel very good about the entire roster at that point. Do the Redskins tend to want their tight ends to be more of a inline blocking tight end or more of a receiving threat tight end? How do you think that that's something that Ron Rivera, you know, views? We, we know that Greg Olson had an outstanding career, you know, down there in 
uh, Carolina under Ron Rivera. Is he kind of looking for that mold, looking for a receiving threat tight end? Yeah, I think it would be very similar to how he operated in Carolina, but you, you know, Greg also did his uh, very fair share of blocking. Mm-hmm. You know, you think of guys like a Cole Komet who would fit very well in this draft, somebody who can block, somebody who can receive, you know, somebody who can high point in the end zone for the touchdowns that you need. I mean, somebody who's a possession guy, like somebody who you're not necessarily needing is to be an athletic freak, but somebody who can be athletic enough to do the job, do the job well and have a good IQ. And there's a few tight ends we feel pretty good about. And um, I think you would have to be very realistic to assume that it'd be very similar to how it was operated in Carolina for all those years. Yeah. And obviously we're, we're coming up on the draft just over two weeks away. Um, and it's going to be very different this year. Uh, everything going to be remote teleconference. I, I don't know what systems or platforms they're going to be using to conduct the draft and how that's going to look. It's going to look very different for everybody. How has this, you know, whole situation kind of impacted the talent evaluation process? The big thing is really just not being able to get in person and face to face with the players um, because that's where you, you know, get to know the personality. You get to have them, you know, understand who they are, what kind of person they are, what they're looking for in a career. I mean, like that's the biggest thing is like you can, you can meet with them via Skype or zoom or whatever you want, but it's different in person. Um, that's been the biggest challenge is not being there. Like, I mean, cause we, I was, you know, like I was in South Carolina and then all travel restrictions stopped and then I had to come back home and just wait it out. And it's like, you still watch tape all day, every day. You still have communications with your boss and who, who you need to be in talks with, but it's very hard to do that without being in person and having the meetings. Like you can have a zoom every day and, or a Skype or a Facebook call for a lot of matter, but it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to get a feel without being in the room. Um, and it's made it very challenging with that. Um, yeah, I, mean, I just think that's the hardest part is just not being able to meet the players and be with your boss because it's at this time of the year when it's finalizing the last things and meeting the last few people you need to and creating your final draft board and who you're going to take at number two and who you're going to take at 32 or 33 or whatever it is. I mean, it's very, very hard. Um, you know, I think we feel good. I think, I think it's very hard not to feel good about the draft plan and where you're looking, but it, it'll make things a little bit more tricky. That's for sure. Definitely. And obviously you can't tell what the plan is, but do the Redskins feel like they have a pretty good plan with what they're going to do with the number two overall pick? Yeah. Um, I th- yeah. I think we feel there's a pretty good plan about it, but um, as a coach of always says, and this is the mantra that everybody follows that we just want the best players to help us win. It doesn't matter where you come from, what position you play. If you can help us win, that's what we care about. And I think you look around the division, we feel pretty good about our chances this year. Um, you know, like you look in Dallas and they just lost the most important piece of their offensive line. And that's, that's, that's not, that's going to be very hard to replace. Um, you yeah. Know, Travis they, Frederick was incredible center, shocking retirement way before people thought he would. Yeah. But you can't blame him because the game of physical. Is so, so like you, so hard of the game, like, even playing in college, you know, like your body just gets beat up and you get to the pros and it's even harder. Like, um, 
But you look around the league, our division, and we feel pretty good about it because Dallas, for some reason, doesn't seem like they want to pay their quarterback. You know, they lost, you know, their offensive line, the most offensive line piece. Um, Philadelphia, you know, it, we assume they'll draft their wide receiver position in the draft. But, I mean, they do have two fantastic tight ends. That's a little envying. But, um, you know, they did lose Jason Peters, I do believe. And then, you know, you look over at New York and, we're very, very similar to New York. Young quarterbacks, um, talent all over the board. I think that I think it'll be very interesting between all four of us who comes out on top. I think it'll be a very fun division. Um, you know, very gritty team out in Washington. It's got a lot to prove. Yeah, it's definitely one of the more wide open divisions. Uh, I would say where you don't have a clear cut favorite and like a clear cut you know, bottom of the tier type of team. Um, obviously, you know, Redskins have the number two overall pick for a reason, but I think there's a lot of reason to be optimistic about the team. And we've seen how fast it can change. San Francisco just turned it around from, I think, a two-win season to being in the Super Bowl in, in back-to-back years. It, all it takes is, you know, sometimes a, a mentality change. They brought in new GM, new head coach a couple years ago. Washington's kind of doing the same thing by bringing in Ron Rivera. How much of an implant or imprint rather is, is he going to have on uh, personnel decisions throughout this draft? You know, every coach has a say, um, but it's really just an open conversation between everybody and everybody about what's best for the team. Um, he doesn't have the ultimate say, but it, it's really a, a, a good decision on everybody's part. You got to feel good about it. Everybody usually feels good about the picks. Like this would be my first time in a, like, well, not a draft room, but a, a good draft call. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's hard not to feel good about what you've got because, you know, you've got good leaders, you know, people who you believe in and can make the right decision. And it's very exciting to have a very valuable pick and pick somebody who's going to have a very very long, healthy career moving forward. Yeah, there's so much blue chip talent at the top of this board um, on both sides of the ball. And I think that Washington has needs at several different areas. There's so many different directions at the top where it feels like from an outsider's perspective that the Redskins could go. Um yeah, I think that everyone's pretty much pegging the Bengals to to take Joe Burrow. Um, if they don't, then how much would that shake up the draft board at the, at the top? I don't know. And I think, like, I have a friend who plays fantasy football. He's got one of those Twitters. <laughs> um, I think it would be... I don't see a scenario where he doesn't go number one. Because if the Bengals were to not take they would get a haul for somebody. Oh yeah, um, It's similar to, I think, playing fantasy football where the picks are more valuable when you're on the clock because your guy is sitting there and you need your guy. Um, and if your guy is still sitting there at one and you're not in love with them, you don't take the guy you're not in love with and you trade back or you, you know, you feel good about that. So I think I don't see a scenario where he doesn't go number one. It doesn't have to be to the Bengals. I would be shocked if it's not the Bengals. Um, but if it were to become like a, to a tongue of a low at number one, I think I would have to log off my phone because I don't think the amount of phone calls that I would get coming in would be possible to keep up with. It's true. Um, I think it would, I think it would be very interesting. I think it'd be very exciting, but um, 
I don't see a scenario where he doesn't go number one. It just, you know, I mean, because if he gets number two, all hands are on deck because that's not something that we that's anticipated to happen, but it can happen because crazier things have happened. Mm-hmm. You got to think of guys like Aaron Rodgers who dropped to the 24th overall pick. You know, um, there's been crazier picks at number one. So there are three guys in this pick, or this oh, actually, there's, there's probably four or five guys worthy of the number one overall pick. So it depends on who they believe in. Just because you need a quarterback doesn't mean you take a quarterback. Is that a good idea? I, you know, that's, that's not for me to decide. Hopefully, I'm there in 20 years, but. I'm not there. So um, I would be shocked if he's not off the board at one, but I would not be shocked if Miami were to give up a King's ransom for that pick. But can you blame them? Because a franchise quarterback is life changing. Do the Redskins think that they have their guy in the house already at the quarterback position? I think it's very hard not to feel good about what you've got. You know, um, you know, Dwayne showed, leadership on the offseason um maturity working hard he's got all the talent um and then you have two players behind him who are very good football players as well i i think the answer to your question is yes but as coach rivera says we're going to take the best player to help us win so nothing is locked in um and i think it'd be very naive to lock in because if you lock in then what happens if your guy you locked in on what is taken at number one? Then what do you do? So right. you have your drink, your draft board, and you see what happens because we might move back if our guy's gone or we don't feel good about our pick. I mean, you never know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, you have a guy like a Chase Young who's you, you like a game changer. Like you look at, you think of a Khalil Mack where it's like oh, a headache to game plan against every week. You know, that's it's not fun for opposing teams. Um but then you have you know you got like a two tone below where if he's healthy and he stays healthy, he's a franchise quarterback. I mean, and there's no doubt about it. So, and then there's a guy like a Justin Herbert where you can't help but to think, wow, the potential's there. So he's got he's got the size, the athleticism, the big arm. He, he's maybe needs a little bit of coaching, but like you were saying earlier, right? That's what coaches do is you <laughs> want to find the the talent and then help them grow and develop. Exactly. So. I, I, he didn't, you know, him coming, him not coming out last year was questionable, but the fact that he's still likely a first round pick, I don't think I heard his, heard him. He got a free college degree. You know, he's got a good backup plan. You know, I think last year he was pegged as a top three pick. I mean, yeah, you're going to lose out on some money now, but if you slip to the second round, it almost works out better to be a second round pick than a first round pick because you get that, you get a, like a three or four year contract compared to a four, then you get a franchise tag, then they can move off of you where you don't get that big payday. Or like you gotta think of a guy like a Jalen Smith, who was clearly the best player in his draft, but got injured in the play in the in the bowl. Um, so he got drafted in the second round and he got paid a year early because he slipped in that round. So I mean pros and cons to being in the draft in the first second round. I mean, you get paid earlier if you drafted later, if you pan out. Yeah. With with the second pick, is there a couple players that the Redskins really value highly. Like, is there people that you are in love with at, at the two, or is that something where it becomes more of a conversation about value at that point? I think it's hard not to be in love with players at the top of the draft because you see all the potential. I mean, there's good kids all around. They're great athletes. I mean, smart kids, good football players, 
Um, the hard part is not getting to know a player because they couldn't come in. Like I think a thing, I think the coronavirus shutting everything down does a player like a Tua Tungvaluwa like a disservice because we know you're a great kid. You know, you know, we know you're a leader. We know you've got all the intangibles, but we can't bring you in and give you a physical to see if you're healthy. So we, since we can't do that, it leaves a question mark on the board. And, and if you're taking a player at number two, you don't want a question mark at the board. Right. Um, it's not to say that we don't believe he isn't healthy. I mean, like, we're, but you always feel better if it's your doctor. Um, and it's very, it'll be very interesting to see what happens. I think that there's a good plan in place. And I think it's, you've got good guys up top who know what they're doing. Cause I've been a part of a, an organization before where, it didn't feel good. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> How does this process compare to your experience in, in Cleveland? Well, it's hard because I came from South Bend. I was friends with the quarterback in South Bend who just happened to end up in Cleveland when I ended up in Cleveland. And when things weren't going well, it was hard to put your friendship aside and focus on the aspect of things. Um, it, it, you know, it, I like what Cleveland's doing now, but, but from my experience when I was there, it was just chaos. Like I think coach Jackson did not get the respect he deserves and everybody wanted to overrun him and he tried to stand his ground and he didn't, I mean, like he didn't have a franchise quarterback on his roster and it's hard to win games with a franchise quarterback, let alone without one. Um, so, and there was not a lot of hope with that. Um, you know, and then when you bring in a franchise quarterback, you feel good. He's got a lot of swagger about himself. Um, you know, it, it's very hyping. It, it helps the team feel good when things mm -hmm. are good. Um, but when things are bad, it can raise those questions again. And on my way out last year, uh, the, uh, you began to feel good about the process of where they were at. Um, but compared to where we're at now with what I'm at now, I, it's totally different. It's, it's like a breath of fresh air. Hmm. That's good. So, yeah, where's so where's everyone going to be in this in this draft process uh, in two weeks? Is everyone going to be hanging out at home and and skyping in with each other? Um, that I don't know. Like, uh, I assume so, but I also know there'll be certain people who are more important in the same room together. Um, we're still thirteen days. About three and a half hours out. It's not like we're pressured or anything. Um, but I think I'll be here. I think mm -hmm. it'll be higher ups who will be together, which I think is probably the best call. I think that's very smart. Mm -hmm. um, but as for everybody else in between, I'm not sure. You know, I think there's a plan putting being put in place, but it, until it gets put in place, or until the commissioner steps in, you're kind of at his mercy or anybody's mercy for that matter. And you don't want to go out right now. Okay. So I'm going to let you go here in a few minutes, but I would love to get 
your take. Who's the best running back in this class? It's very hard to count out a Jonathan Taylor. Um, I there's there's it's hard because I think you know he's more of your workhorse back. But if you're looking for more of a one cut straight line kind of runner, there's a guy down in Georgia for you. Um, if you're looking for somebody who can be a three down back but might not have the size, and there's a guy down in Columbus for you. If you're looking for a receiving back who can handle some carries, there's a guy down in Louisiana for you. There's so many running backs, but I think there's only two, maybe three that'll be starters day one. There's definite needs in the AFC East for a running back. There's a need, you know, I think there's a need in Seattle um, mm-hmm. for a running back. Like, you know, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not in their building. Like, right. Um, but I think but it's, yeah. very, I think Chris it's, like, Carson, I was just going to say, Chris Carson injured last year of his rookie contract. Rashad Penny hasn't been able to, you know, really overtake the job. And, and that's about it. So, yeah, I think. Uh, I think they could potentially be in the market for a running back, but go ahead with what you were saying. I, I just was going to say, like, I, I think there's very good running backs all over. I just think it depends on what kind of running back you look for. If you're looking for somebody who you want to give the ball to 25, 30 times a game, I think it's got to be Jonathan. Um, but if you're looking for somebody to split carries with and like a running back by a committee, I think there's lots of different guys available. Um, I do think a Jonathan Taylor in Seattle would be really fun to watch. Oh, thank you for saying that. I, if that happens, twenty seventh overall pick. If he if he lasts until that pick, and and they can snag Jonathan Taylor, I'm going to be crying and buying a jersey on draft night. Like that's going to be so much fun. A run heavy offense with a very good scheme with a coach who knows how to give you a workhorse running back. You know, Chris Carson, like you said, entering his last year's contract, has not been able to stay healthy. Um, Rashad Penny, I think his status is up in air, um, and then. You know, like you said, there's not a whole lot behind that. So I think that'd be a lot of fun, but I would not be surprised if they take one. But there's a guy over in Utah who I think it was a very good project. Um, I think it's a little raw, but you know, that's what coaches want. I would not be surprised if Zach Moss is taken somewhere and starts competing for the starting job in a year or so. But I don't think it would be day one. Right. Agree with that. So that's the running back position. How do you feel about the wide receiver position? Who's who's the top of the top of the chest? I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but um, I think I think like back to what I said earlier. I think it depends on what kind of wide receiver you're looking for. But I think it's hard not to look at uh, Jerry Judy and think like he's a little bit less athletic. Well, okay, he's quite a bit athletic, less athletic than a Julio Jones, but Julio's a freak. Um, but he comes from the same pro style offense. He comes from, you know, the same IQ. I, th- I think he's going to have a very good career. Um, the only the only knock that I would have as a scout on CD Lamb, and it's not even anything his fault. It comes from the system that he comes from. Um, Lincoln Riley is all offense is fantastic. It's a lot of fun to watch. But he, if you've ever watched a conference about him, he talks about his offense and how his his right route concepts are designed. They're designed not to lose a lot of momentum, which if you've ever looked at his route tree or watched them on tape, they don't cut a lot. There's a lot. There's very minimal cutting, which makes you worry that C.D. Lamb's route running ability is a little raw for the NFL, so he might struggle. But I think his ceiling, if he gets right with the right wide receiver coach, would be very astronomical. I think 
you know, Henry Ruggs would be fantastic in a system like a Philadelphia, which, you know, like you look at what they could do with the Deshaun Jackson in Philadelphia. Um, I think the landing spot will be very important, but I think like right now, like the best prospect, prospect it would be a CD Lamb, but but not by much. I mean, there's so many good running backs or wide receivers, and we didn't even name half of them. So right. it'll be fun to watch. Like I'm just as much of a fan. I think everybody in the NFL is just as much a fan as everybody else is. We just get paid to get yelled at. I mean, <laughs> so love it. Know. I would not I'll just leave it at this. You'll don't be surprised on draft night. Period. Don't Period. be surprised about anything. Yeah. No matter who goes one or two or anything else for that. So hmm. Interesting. Uh, no, nah, I'm just baiting you. I know you are. I <laughs> <laughs> can't ask the question that everyone wants to know the answer to. I don't have an answer to that question, but I think, you know, like you could, pro- I think, as an outside fan, you could process of elimination and get it down to a three out of four chance. So, interesting. Um, you know, like it's like we've talked about, just I feel good about it. Um, you know, I think right now the thing that our defense is lacking is a Luke Keekley type of player, but there's you can't just go find a Luke Keekley, they don't exist. Um, but there's somebody in the draft who could be similar. Um, that we like so you know we're all all hands on deck because we don't know what's going to happen to one and you never know who's going to go two or three or 31 or 256 because it doesn't matter where you get taken it matters where you land got it well thank you for taking the time and and talking with me today and kind of breaking down just some of these incoming rookies, talent evaluation, how that looks, kind of what's going on with the Washington Redskins. Uh, unfortunately for you listeners, no, I was not able to crack the code. I do not know who they're taking at number two overall. Um, but we will find out in about two weeks. So, Sam, thank you so much for for coming on and, and joining me. Yeah, no problem. I'm glad to help out. And it's been a nice, fun change of pace for an hour. So get back to watching that film and see what's going on. Because my phone's been blowing up for the past hour, so I'm sure I missed something probably same here actually for that matter so yeah we'll go we'll go see what happened all right you have a good night thanks so much have a good one thanks for tuning in to this episode of the red shirts fantasy football podcast hit us up on twitter at red shirts ff pod and check out our website redshirtsfantasyfootball.com.